0: Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Hi everybody, Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O. And folks, there is no doubt about it. If you are a water treater today, you are familiar with the word Legionella. And by the way, if you are a water treater today and you have never heard about Legionella, you need to learn about Legionella. Now, so many of our customers are just as confused as some of our water treatment partners are. It's no wonder to see why this is such a topic that people are so mixed up on. So, what I'm hoping to do today is dispel some of the myths around water management programs. And, of course, that deals with how we are going to protect the population with Legionella. Now one of the biggest myths is I'm paying for a water treatment program so that means it automatically includes a Legionella due diligent program or a water management plan. Folks, that is not the case. The game has been changed with how we do water treatment and now in addition to keeping the system clean, free from corrosion, scaling, general microbial control, and then dirt and debris, we are now adding this fifth leg to it, which is Legionella and Legionella prevention. In order to do that, we have to have a conversation with our customer and we need to let them know that this is up and above a regular water treatment program. And there are certain standards out there that our customer needs to know about. And for them just to put that back on us isn't going to fulfill those standards. So, folks, here is what we are going to do today. Legionella expert Matt Farigi of HC Info is coming on, and he's going to talk about building a water management program. I am sure that this is an episode that you will listen to multiple times because there's going to be some great information on it. So, let's go ahead and get started. So, everybody, welcome Matt Farigi, My lab partner today is Matt Farigi of HC Info. Matt, so excited to have you on Scaling Up today. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks. Glad to be here.
0: Well, Matt, we are going to be talking about the wonderful world of Legionella. I can't think of another topic that I get more questions on this show about. So I know listeners cannot wait to get to the meat of this subject matter. But before we do that, I was hoping you would introduce yourself a bit to the Scaling Up Nation.
1: I live in Seattle, i have lived here for about two years after moving from San Diego and growing up in the Midwest, and uh, my career has focused on Legionella specifically, at least since about 1995. I've done consulting and written and spoken on the topic, and um, so I talk about it a lot, and I'm ready to do that today.
0: All right. Well, we are not going to disappoint because we're going to talk a lot about Legionella. Before we get into topics like uh, ASHRAE's 188, I thought we could, we could start from the very beginning. What exactly is Legionella? Why is the water treatment community so concerned about it? How does somebody get Legionella? Let's just start there.
1: Okay. Well, Legionella is a type of bacteria. It can grow naturally in water, but it is a problem, especially in man-made water systems like plumbing systems and, and equipment in general. So uh, people can can get sick from it when they inhale it or if it gets aspirated into their lungs, like choked into their lungs. Um, doesn't? It's not a problem just going into the stomach, but when it gets into the lungs, it can cause... Legionnaire's disease is the most common illness and the most serious illness that it causes. And so because it's a building water issue as opposed to more of a public water supply or a natural water problem then that's why it is so important to to water treaters and really anybody who's involved in managing buildings it can be contracted by uh, using a sink by using a faucet washing your hands walking by a cooling tower or a decorative fountain, certainly using a whirlpool spa. But even if you're in the vicinity of a whirlpool spa, you can contract a Legionella infection from the water. In fact, I got an an email or website inquiry or some kind of a message from somebody just this week who contracted a case of Legionnaires disease last year, and she's just certain she got it from a Whirlpool spot, a hotel, she, but she said she wasn't in it. She was just sitting by it for about 30 minutes. And she said, can't I get it just by sitting by it? And I said, yeah, I mean, cases have been associated even with just walking through an exhibit hall that had a Whirlpool spa on display. A number of people, over 200, in fact, a few years ago in the Netherlands, contracted Legionnaires that way from a Whirlpool spa."
0: Well, you mentioned so many devices. you mentioned the the spa, you mentioned the domestic water, uh, all the water systems within the building. Why does the cooling tower get so much attention?
1: Outbreaks years ago were blamed almost exclusively on cooling towers. It goes back to the to the outbreak that led to the discovery of Legionnaire's disease in nineteen seventy six which, although the investigation didn't absolutely confirm the source, it was believed to be the cooling tower at the hotel in Philadelphia. So ever since then, there was a lot of focus on cooling towers, even though it's been since the 1980s, mid-1980s, that plumbing systems were found to be associated with Legionnaires' disease. And, And now data is pretty clear that plumbing systems, are domestic water systems, are the primary source in terms of number of cases. But cooling towers get a lot of attention because they are typically associated with the larger outbreaks that make the news. And that's part of it, and part of it is just misinformation. It's, it's, there's not the awareness that other types of water systems, especially plumbing systems and whirlpool
0: spas, are uh, equally, if not more, of a concern than cooling towers. In 2015, ASHRAE came out with their document 188 that told the world how to or that they needed a water management plan. I was hoping we could talk a little bit around ASHRAE 188 and what a water management plan is.
1: Okay. Well, uh, um, a water management plan, at least the type that is outlined in ASHRAE 188, which is also basically the same type that is described by the World Health Organization in its 2007 document by the Veterans Health Administration in its 2014 document. It's, it's basically a plan for how you are going to manage water systems in a building to minimize risk, in this case minimize the risk of Legionella. So it has, or should have, maintenance and operation procedures, which are usually referred to as control measures. The framework outlined in ASHRAE 188 also calls for a description of the water systems, including flow diagrams, um, and then ways of determining whether the control measures are implemented properly, monitoring them and having limits and and um, corrective actions if those performance limits are not met. So basically, ASHRAE 188 says large buildings, it gives some criteria for which one should and shouldn't have them, but... Basically, large buildings should have a water management program to minimize the risk of Legionella, and it gives a framework with essential elements that those plans should have.
0: Well, I think that covers the baseline of Legionella ASHRAE 188, and and I just want to make sure that the entire audience is uh, brought into the conversation. But Matt, I got to tell you, if you're a water treater out there and you have not heard of these things Maybe you should consider retail. I, I can't imagine uh, you know not not knowing about these items. So I think the whole audience is with us. Now we went out, we spoke to a customer, or a customer spoke with us, and they said, You know, we've heard about these items. You're the water treatment professional. We want to engage you, your company, your services, and we want you to help guide us through what we need to do to get a water management plan. Now, what do we do? Well,
1: the the most important part of a water management plan are the control measures, the the procedures, whether they're maintenance or operation or, or having to do with design and construction to minimize the risk of disease. These other components that are outlined in ASHRAE 188, like the flow diagrams and a description of the system, those are important elements, but they don't prevent disease. What prevents disease, what reduces risk are those procedures. So the first question that the water treatment company or person or, or whatever type of professional would need to consider is, are they able to come up with those control measures? So You can survey a site and gather information on the water systems, but if you don't know what to tell the owner to do about those water systems, the plan you provide will be inadequate. So I think that's the first thing to consider is what role does the company want to play in water management programs? Is it just to go out and survey the site? Is it actually to write the plans? Do you need to partner with another company? What training do you need? But if you want me to answer the question on the assumption that the, that the water treater already has that expertise, I can do that. But I just wanted to make that clarification.
0: No, I, I think that's a great point. And as you were speaking, I, I thought it would be interesting if we acknowledged how many people out there really think that they're doing something for Legionella. Uh, I don't know if they think they're uh, following the, the guidelines or the spirit of, of ASHRAE 188 because they haven't read it, but there's so many people out there that will test Legionella once a year, and then they're hoping that it's zero, and then that's all that they do. Do you see that as much as I do around our area here? I hear about that.
1: Yes, it's, it's misunderstanding of, of some sort. And this, this occurs with a lot of hospitals, I hear where they will test for Legionella thinking that's a plan. But testing for Legionella, although it can be a good thing, that's not a water management program. That's actually just the validation piece of a water management program. So the, the program or the, the plan itself are the maintenance procedures, what you're going to do to the water to minimize risk. Testing for Legionella is just a way To validate whether those procedures you are implementing are being effective or not. So it's not a plan at all simply to test and really have no overall plan for minimizing risk or even for responding to the results. And then there are are some facilities that will draft a couple of pages of vague policies like minimize stagnation or keep temperatures at a certain level, something like that that's not specific. And they think that's their plan. But what's happening now, because of the the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services requirement, um, is that now these hospitals and nursing homes are being inspected and they're being cited for having inadequate plans. So, I mean, a lot of these problems are occurring, but I believe things are heading in the right direction. So uh, some of these facilities do not have adequate plans, even though they might think they do, but they're finding out they don't. I think things are at least heading in the right direction
0: in that respect. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, You asked a question earlier. I think we should proceed as if uh, the people in the Scaling Up Nation have received some sort of training and then we can move forward there. But before we get there, if somebody hasn't, how could they receive such a training?
1: Well, I mean, the way my company works, we have uh, we have online training courses that that um, well on a number of subjects related to Legionella, but specifically on how to conduct a site survey, what to look for. It comes with a checklist, and, uh, what to write down, what to photograph, and how to do flow diagrams. So that's on the survey part of it. We actually don't do training on how to write water management plans instead we we write them we provide the software for that and then companies that do those surveys partner with us and use our software so they don't have to come up with those control measures very few companies i know have actually tried to write their own plans try to come up with those maintenance procedures but we provide that component and then they they can get the training to go out and learn how to do the site surveys with the checklist and all Uh, Sampling is another part of it. If if a company is going to do sampling, they should have training for that. It might seem simple to fill a bottle with water, but there are a lot of really important details, especially with plumbing systems. How many samples? Where do you collect? Do you collect hot versus cold? Which types of equipment should you sample? Pre-flush versus post-flush and those kinds of details, even recording data and especially on interpreting results. So it's just very important to do those services well.
0: Absolutely. Well, Matt, I think this is the biggest question that plague us water treatment folk. You know, we we know we know enough to be dangerous about Legionella. Some know more than others. Uh, we're able to talk to the customer, but now they want us to actually start the process for the plan, and now it's time to survey what exactly is in that building? And I think that's where the issue is. Most people don't know how to properly survey, and they don't know what to look for. Can we talk about that?
1: Sure. Uh, Not everybody does it the same way, and I'm not saying there's one way everybody should do it, but I can talk a little bit about how I do it and how the companies that partner with us do it. Basically, the surveys for a water management program are different than a risk assessment. Sometimes those terms get interchanged, but they're different terms. So if you were doing an assessment to determine what problems are there and what is um, what conditions are there on this property that are increasing the risk of originality, it takes more training. It takes more expertise to do that, especially with plumbing systems. But if you if you have a good water management plan template to use that has all those control measures, then really your job for the, in doing the survey is to identify the water systems. And I'm not saying that's easy, but it is a lot easier than identifying problems. It's basically taking an inventory. So, so when you, you would get to the site, typically what I think is best to do To begin with, is simply to talk with the facilities people, maybe look at some drawings, not individual floor by floor plants, but maybe a site drawing that shows where does the water come in from the street. Because basically, you want to trace the water from where it is coming in from the street at the taps to the points of use. You don't need to look at all the points of use, but you need to identify the key points where it taps in at the street, where it enters the building where the water heaters are, some basic information about the water heaters, the type of water heater, the size, the number of them, if there are redundant ones in a given system. And uh, any key components like central filters, not too many buildings have those, like a filter for the incoming water. But if they do, you would need to identify those softeners. So that's just the plumbing system. You would want to identify master mixing valves, like the, the large system type thermostatic mixing valves, the um, hot water return or not, and how many pumps. Those are the types of things in a plumbing system, of course, cooling towers and key components of those cooling towers, decorative fountains. But with respect to ASHRAE 188, it's not just about identifying water systems that can be the source of Legionella infections. It's about identifying all the water systems. So you also need to identify irrigation systems and fire protection, really every kind of water system on a campus. Then you would draft flow diagrams showing how those relate to one another, where the water comes in, how it flows from one system to another. Very basic diagrams, but they're important to get an overall understanding of the flow of water through that site. That's really the, the the biggest part of the survey the then after that it's a matter of doing the plan which would include the hazard analysis So you have all of these water systems that you have identified and the hazard analysis is really the risk assessment part of it and you're not you're not looking at these systems to determine well does this have a problem with it? is it designed incorrectly? you don't need to do that in fact it's a very important thing to understand you don't need to do otherwise you're going to go beyond the scope you really should so you really are identifying the types of systems that can be um well really if you're if it's a legionella plant it's the type of system that can harbor and transmit legionella so if it can do both then it needs to be a control measure you need to have control or control location I should say you need to have control measures for it so for example a plumbing system is always going to be a control location. In my opinion, some might say, well, if it doesn't have this or if it doesn't have that, it doesn't need to be. But plumbing systems are inherently prone to Legionella growth and transmission to people. They need to be managed. And I can give some examples of that. But, but basically, that's cooling towers do, decorative fountains, whirlpool of spas. But not a fire protection system. A fire protection system can harbor Legionella, but... Transmission is very unlikely. It could occur for people who are testing the system. Of course, it could occur if there if there was a fire, but um, it's not a control location because it's really unlikely to be a, a source of trans- transmission. Um, so that's kind of the the broad brush or the overview of identifying all the systems, then identifying which ones are control locations, and then that's when it comes time to to write a plan. So you have to you have to come up with a plan for for the control measures for all those systems that are control locations.
0: Matt, I think what every water trader worries about is, oh my gosh, what if I missed a system? What if it wasn't on the drawing? What if it was behind a wall that I didn't look behind? Are there, are there any practices that you do that can minimize that? Or, or what do you do if you do miss something?
1: Well, in our system, the way we work is we have a checklist, a very robust checklist. And if it's a water treater, it's very unlikely you're going to miss a cooling tower because you probably are already treating those cooling towers. You're not going to miss that. You're going to know where those are. Um, You're not going to miss a plumbing system because every building has one. So, I mean, it's possible that you miss a particular part of a system, but the way our Structure works is that in our software, is that if you identify the system type, you're going to get the control measures for that system. So you're really not going to be on the hook for it. So it's almost impossible to miss a plumbing system. It's un- very unlikely to miss a cooling tower. If you miss a fire protection system, it's not going to matter in terms of Legionella risk because there aren't control measures for that. What you'd have to be probably most careful about, believe it or not, are decorative fountains because those are the ones that. You could miss. There might be, for example, at a hospital, a small ornamental fountain in an interior garden of some kind or courtyard that, that if you're talking to the facilities people, they just forgot to mention. You're not going to get the control measures for those, at least again with our software, you're not going to get the control measures for it if you don't select yes for that system. In other words, that, that it is on the campus. So then let's say you, you miss it, you don't do that. Three people get sick, and the common link for all three of those people was this ornamental fountain that could be a problem for the water treater. I don't think that's really something to fear if you if you are using a good checklist and another key another key way to reduce the risk is to have the facilities person or somebody at the at the building sign off on your checklist of water systems, just the yeses and the nos. In in ours, we actually have a blank for that, uh, a line where the facilities person signs off. And in fact, our water treatment partners are the ones who recommended we do that. So we added that and they have, most of them have their customers sign off. Did I find all these systems? Are these yeses and nos correct? And I think if you do those things, you're very unlikely to miss something. And if you do, then it's really You know, you can go back and look at that form and say, well, the customer signed off saying I identified these systems correctly.
0: Well, I've actually heard of this happening. I'm not going to tell you who told me that it happened, but they were working with a customer and they were told to specifically ignore a particular system. We don't want to deal with it. You didn't see it. Don't put it on the form. What advice do you have about that?
1: Yeah, I, I just absolutely would not do it. I, I would not comply with that request. It's easier. I understand it's it's a lot easier for me to say than for a water treatment company because their water treatment account might be on the line. You know, they don't want to displease their customer. But I have actually turned down a lot of plans, especially when the New York laws were going into effect. I wouldn't do a cooling tower only plan. I would refuse to do it. So we did a lot of total plans. When we did the ones in New York, we were doing the whole buildings. We weren't doing just cooling towers. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, I know you can have uh, sign-off sheets and ways to protect yourself. And and I don't mean to condemn people who've done that. I'm just saying that, that especially in the scenario you just gave, where it seems like there's a particular system they just want to exclude for whatever reason, I would simply say I can't provide the plan that way. If it's if it's in our software how we would do it is we'd say we can provide the whole thing for you you can then take it out it's in our system it's very easy to do that they could remove a particular plan or even a whole water system category if they wanted to but I'm not going to do that for them it's a risk it's it's not the right way to do it it's not even good for the customer if they are suggesting that they are uneducated as to how to manage their systems it's it's not something they should really be afraid of to to it. To address that particular building, I, I know it's it's not always an easy uh, situation to deal with, but that is a really important point, though. For in general, is that the water treatment company? It's another reason training is so important. Is they have to know it well enough and be confident enough that they run the show. Um, in fact, I talked about this at AWT. Well, it was last year, last year's convention. I think it was like nine points to you know important points for doing a water management plan survey and one of them is you know you're the expert you're supposed to be so you don't let the customer tell you how to do it you're there to provide that service you're the expert and you deliver the plan to them in the way it should be done if they want to change it then it's they can do the changes i wouldn't i would not make those changes for them
0: Matt, what are some of the most common mistakes that you've seen people make during the survey process that if we know about them, we can avoid them?
1: Well, one would be what I just mentioned, giving the customer too much control over the process for a couple of reasons. One is the one we just talked about where they will say, well, we want this done, we want that done. That's not the customer's job. You're there to give them a plan, you give them the, the plan the right way, you keep control of the project. It's not only so that you make sure you deliver the best possible plan, but also you control your time. Instead of, you don't need to negotiate drafts. We're, you should be in and out in one or two days. Somebody, in fact, I was on a call this morning with a company asking about water management programs and they said, well, we have this site, and they described it, it was an office complex, kind of a complex uh pretty large uh, development it sounded like and they said how long is this going to take us you know is it probably going to take us two months I said two days and in fact it probably wouldn't take a full two days if they're doing it well I mean this is using our software in our system but still you can survey that site you can enter the water system information into the plan software and literally finish before you leave at the end of the second day that's, it's. it not only protects your own time, it gets the plan to the customer sooner so they can begin implementing those measures and and reducing risk. The problem with, especially if you're doing a lot of these, with going on to the next site is it's, it's so hard to keep them straight. You start getting different facilities mixed up. And so it's really better to finish one completely than go on to the next one. So that would be one of the recommendations. Of course, you know, get trained, know what you're doing, um, define your scope well. Again, you don't want to get into risk assessment aspects. You're not there to identify dead legs. You don't want to put it upon yourself to have to do that. In our plans, it has measures to address dead legs, crossover lines, and other stagnant conditions, but it's not the job of the surveyor to identify all those. If you put that upon yourself, you're increasing your risk And you're also increasing your time on the site. And it really doesn't do your customer any good uh, because it's better for them to identify those things and to learn to to manage them. In the management plan, you're telling them how to manage those conditions. It's not up to you to identify all of them. So it's, I would say the training, really defining the scope of the plan properly, being really thorough within that scope, but not getting outside of it, and finishing quickly. You're not negotiating drafts. You deliver a good plan, help your customer ongoing with the implement, not with making sure they are keeping up with it, I should say. I would suggest quarterly meetings for that. And one final thing is I would say, be very clear about the time your job ends in developing the plan and the customer's role begins in implementing it. We actually have a template email we use for that and our, our partners... Have access to that too. They use it. That has very important, what we think are very important points to make. And and basically, it's saying uh, we're finished. Thank you for the work. Here's your plan. Here's how you get access to it. Here's what you need to do to get started implementing it. It's a very clear line between the development of the plan and the implementation
0: of it. Matt, you were very involved when New York adopted part of ASHRAE's 188. Uh, obviously, we're going to have other cities that follow suit. What was learned from what New York did and what sh- what do you think should have been done differently?
1: Well, I mean, I, I give them credit that they responded very quickly to a really bad situation. I mean, a, a horrible outbreak and I'm not going to slap somebody's hand if they didn't respond perfectly, but I think we all have to learn from mistakes as well. And and that's what they did do well. They responded very quickly. They did something about it. The um, the measures they put in place were good in that facilities that hardly knew they had a cooling tower, let alone were maintaining it or treating it properly, had to do something about it. I saw so many of these towers i mean some really really small ones i mean 10 ton units that just were not being managed at all and small towers of course need to be treated and, and maintained properly just like large ones um so it was good in that in that cooling towers that were being completely neglected started being addressed i think some of them are probably gone now the, the facilities realized it's going to be easier just to get rid of the cooling towers and go where air cooled and and not have to comply with these laws, but other ones they're you know they're complying and, and doing the treatment and so forth. I, th- I think one one real big problem. Well, I mean one really obvious problem that I think everybody knows about is this cooling towers only. I mean, cooling towers aren't like we talked about um, a few minutes ago. They're not the only source or even the most important source necessarily of legionella infections. The plumbing systems need to be addressed and whirlpool spas and so forth. So. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a mistake, that it was a mistake three years ago when they started working on these laws, but um, it would be it would be a mistake to continue ignoring it. They need to it needs to be comprehensive. They need to address all the water systems. The other the other thing and and I've written on this, some, is that prescriptive, meaning detailed, very detailed regulations can be actually less protective. Than principle-based or outcome-based regulations. So New York is very specific in in what they require for these cooling towers. Contrast that with CMS, which gave basically no details at all. It just said all hospitals and nursing homes have to set up a water management, have to implement a water management plan according to ASHRAE 188 and the CDC toolkit, effective immediately. (laughs) That was basically, it. literally had three sentences, and that's really what it boiled down. You have to implement a water management plan. So it's a little frustrating to facilities. They say, oh, what do we do? What do we do? And it's taking a little bit to weed out the bad ones, but it's going to work out fine with some criteria with it. So there was an interesting study when I was looking into this that I read about the contrasted prescriptive regulations used in nursing homes in the U.S. with principle-based or outcome-based regulations used for nursing homes in Australia. And they were comparing the outcomes after a period of time for nursing homes following these regulations. And the ones in Australia were doing so much better because what happens is that when you don't get really prescriptive, it allows the people at the facility to be more creative, to kind of come up with their own program that works. So when you first look at what some of these differences are, I mean, I too laughed at it thinking, well, nobody's going to do that. because the Australians, they had rules like, uh, really vague rules like uh, serve nutritious meals or create a home-like environment in the nursing homes. Whereas in the U.S., they had maybe 100 boxes to check, you know, to, to reach that end. And you would think, well, the Australian nursing homes, they're just not going to do it because they don't have to. But what happened was they actually did a better job because the, the ones in the U.S., they were all about just trying to comply. They were trying to check the box so they wouldn't get fined. And that's what happened in New York is that some of these facilities that had really good water management plans that covered not only cooling towers but plumbing systems like they should, they were getting cited because it didn't fit the city's model the inspectors didn't know enough to look beyond the model plan all they could do was see if the boxes were checked in the model plan so if it had anything besides cooling towers they were issuing citations completely counterproductive to protect against legional infection so again I, I admire the the health officials there for it, as quickly as they responded but but that's those are a couple of the, the lessons learned. The other one was even though there were really minor differences between the state rules and New York City rules, even those small differences were creating some confusion. So and you think about if that were magnified to several states adopting regulations in the US, and they all had different sets of regulations, and as opposed to just saying, establish a plan based on ASHRAE 188 if they were all prescriptive and they all were all different think about some of these property owners that have own properties in many different states it would just be it would be so cumbersome that they really wouldn't be able to it would be so unreasonable they wouldn't be able to comply so they would they would end up trying to find a way around it so uh, that's probably the the biggest concern I have Although the regulations can be really good if they're prescriptive and different in each state, it's going to, from a public health standpoint, I think it's going to do more harm than good.
0: Interesting points. We'll have to see what develops. And hopefully as new laws come out, they will, they will learn from people like yourself and, of course, how that was implemented up in New York. Where do you think the next city will be where they implement something with Ashray 188?
1: Well, as much as I hate to say it where there's a big outbreak, sure. but I know there's been discussions and I don't know as though it would be a city. It's probably more likely to be a state. I know some cities have shown interest in establishing their own regulations. I think Philadelphia is one of them. Um, But I would say it's more states, New Jersey, Minnesota, Illinois, because of the veterans home situation there. I, I believe are looking into it, maybe Michigan, but um I don't know. I mean, I don't know where where it actually will happen next, in fact, New York State will uh probably make some revisions to uh, some upgrades, so to speak, to its regulations, maybe before another state comes online with new
0: ones. Just wondering if your crystal ball was dialed in yeah. No, I don't have one. (laughs) Now, sooner or later, we're we're all going to have some sort of law that we have to deal with. Right now, we have time on our side where we can work with our customers and we can help them create these plans together. What are some things, just some real quick bullet points that we can do so we're not caught off guard like all of the people were in New York?
1: Well... As far as water treatment companies go, uh, thankfully, you have a great association that is doing a really good job with education, AWT, more so than any other professional society I know of in terms of, of Legionella education, really providing a lot of information to its members. So I would, I would look there, you know, get educated through AWT. Like I said, my company has courses and, and there are other sources as well. So I would say uh, know what you need to know, know who you need to partner with, what you wanna do, what you don't wanna do. It's not the same for every company. Some companies are full bore into this. They wanna offer water management programs. They wanna offer all the services. It's a big part of their business. Others wanna do just as little as they possibly can and still keep their water treatment accounts and please their customers. Um there's I don't think there's a right or wrong. It's just a matter of making sure you're taking care of your customer in whatever way best fits your business model. So I wouldn't shove it under the carpet. It's like a lot of other things that might seem unpleasant to you if it, if it seems unpleasant to you, we kind of put those off. Um, we all have some of those projects. I have some now, things I know I should do and I've you know I, I need to get on it. but i I wouldn't hesitate. I would just dive in and, learn what you need to learn, talk to whomever you need to. And, I mean, the situation in New York, I know, came on really quickly. You know, hopefully there's not going to be a big outbreak like that that's going to require such a fast response. But in most cases, if if other states develop regulations or other cities, there's probably going to be more lead time, more warning, more discussion before you actually see that. I don't think there'll be a big rush. but really probably the thing to do now is to is to provide water management plans for your customers one way or another whether it's by referral or directly because they should have them and that actually i think reduces the risk you already have treating cooling towers if if your customer has a good water management plan it actually reduces your water treatment risk so you might as well go ahead and do that now regardless of whether regulations are adopted in your Area of service,
0: Matt. That's great advice. And uh, folks out there in the scaling up nation, you can't keep your head in the sand with this. You gotta, you gotta do something. And, and Matt lays out some great things that you can do. Well, Matt, I'm not quite done with you yet. I've got a couple of lightning round questions. If you'll stick around with us just a little bit longer, okay? All right. So, if you could go back to your first day as you started doing water management plans. And you went back, you saw yourself, and you say, hey, I've got this great advice. This is it. What would you tell yourself?
1: Um, I I think I did uh, some things right that I would would tell them. I, like, don't compromise. We talked about um, not compromising on the quality of the plans or the comprehensiveness. I'm glad I didn't. Um, I'm glad I didn't compromise in order to... Uh, i mean I, I i lost a lot of sales I could have had by by doing what somebody wanted me to do instead of what I thought was right but i'm glad I didn't so I would say don't compromise uh I think for me personally it would be to enjoy the journey more maybe that's just as kind of a uh, overall advice career wise i um it's good advice whoever you are yeah it's just instead of putting myself under pressure for the end result or to waiting until I'm finished with this or that, just to enjoy the journey, ask God about all the details and um, just kind of enjoy it. Uh, that, that was That's what comes to mind that I would tell myself.
0: All right. Well, what's the last book that you've read?
1: Oh, um, as embarrassing as it is, I have prob- probably no fewer than 10 that I'm in the middle of, that I, I have this bad habit of starting new ones without finishing the other ones. But uh, three that I'm in the middle of, uh, one is called SPQR. It's about uh, the history of Rome. And I've, I've just, I've really enjoyed that. I'm almost finished with it. Uh, read a biography on Martin Luther King, which I really enjoyed a lot. Um, reading a book called God is Good, which is kind of is real good for perspective. And uh, one other one, Seal Survival Guide. <laughs> I've kind of enjoy reading about Survival techniques—you know how to how to deal with an active shooter, with a, a sinking ship, and all these things. So, those are some of the ones I'm in the middle of.
0: It's a very eclectic list.
1: <laughs> I like the I like the variety.
0: Fair enough. Obviously, they're going to make a movie about your life. Who plays Matt Farigi?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. Well, I don't. Uh, I. I'm certainly not going to hold my breath on a movie, but I used to have a lot of people tell me I looked like a particular actor. Actually, it's not an actor, but a talk show host. I don't even want to mention his name because he kind of fell recently into like a lot of others did, but that's the only one that comes to mind. But
0: I honestly don't know. <laughs> well, you're, you're amongst friends. No one's going to judge. Who was it? Uh, Matt Lauer. Oh, Okay. I can see that. I, I could see that. That'll
1: work. I actually had somebody on a plane come up and like a two years ago and say, Oh my gosh, is that you or something? Like that. Well, so, I think he's yeah. got
0: some free time, so maybe he can do the movie. <laughs> all right. That was all right. So last question, you can talk with anybody throughout history, who would it be with and why?
1: I don't know. I, I think it would probably be, um, and I could say some categories, like one would be uh, Bible heroes like Abraham and David and, um, and amazing things that that they did. I would want to ask them about that. I read a book, another book I read that I really enjoyed a lot uh, recently was about John Adams. And so I think I'd want to talk to one of our fi- founding fathers, but particularly him. I mean, the sacrifices he went through for, um, for our country are just... It's just it's it's just incredible. And then uh, maybe more recent people that are heroes to me, like MLK. Uh, but yeah. So I think that, you know, ancient history and then uh, founding fathers and then some more, maybe some more recent history somebody. I can't, I, can't, I can't narrow it down to one person, though, that I can think
0: of. All right. Well, fair enough. Good choices that you gave us. Matt, this has been very educational. Uh, if it's done anything, it has provoked people in the Scaling Up Nation to get out there and learn more about what they don't know. So I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up.
1: Well, thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming on Scaling Up H2O. I know you did a huge service today by letting the Scaling Up Nation know the nuts and bolts around a water management program. Now, with that, I'm sure you all have a lot of questions still that we just didn't have time to answer. So I'm going to give you a couple of resources. One, if you're new to Legionella, by all means, check out one of my most popular episodes. It was with Dr. Janet Stout, and that was when we talked about what Legionella is. So if you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash nine, or you go to your favorite podcast app and look for episode nine, you will be able to listen to that episode. And I got to tell you, that's a great episode to share with your customers because it's done in a way that's not very threatening. It's very educational and everybody learns something by the end of that episode. And I got to tell you, one thing that I learned from Matt and I learned so many things from Matt, but he said, don't be afraid to take a professional with you. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to be the end all be all expert of everything when we're out there working with a client. Well, folks, there is nothing wrong with taking a professional out there so you can learn from that professional and make sure you're doing the right things the right way, especially when you're building your very first water management plan. And then the other most awesome piece of advice I think he gave us was the fact that you have to take the lead on this. A lot of times, our customers aren't as educated on Legionella as we are. And they're looking at a water management plan strictly by a bottom line mentality. And it's up to us to make sure that we give them the right information. Now, it's their plan. They can choose to do whatever they want to do with it. It's their building. It's their plan. But we have to make sure that all the information comes from us. And then they can use that to make their decision. So never let the customer lead you in a particular direction that you're not comfortable with or they don't have enough information to make a decision. Make sure you're getting that to them. Now, if you want to learn more about Legionella, the CDC has a Legionella toolkit where it really walks you through ASHRAE's 188 survey process. I want to put that up on my show notes page. By all means, please take a look at that. That is a great source of information for you to start Learning on how to do some of these surveys. And then Matt Farigi of HC Info, thank you so much for this offer. So if you go to lamps hcinfo.com, so that's L A M P S H C I N F O.com, you will see a list of all of the courses that he offers. And if you have never taken one of these courses, I think you're going to. To be very happy with these courses. He offers some of the best Legionella training programs that I've seen out there in the industry. So if you go there and you put in the discount code scaling up five, that's scaling up five, the number five, and it's all one word, you will get a 5% discount just for being a listener of Scaling Up H2O. So many great courses on there. I know that you're going to enjoy those and I know you're going to learn from it and you're going to be able to become that expert in this subject material that I know that you all want to become. Folks, I got to tell you, I wouldn't have done another Legionella episode had it not been for all of the write-ins that I've got asking questions about Legionella, asking questions about water management plans. So it is imperative that if you have a show idea, that you let me know what that show idea is. It will do absolutely no good to the water treatment community or yourself if you keep that locked up in your head. So go to ScalingUpH2O.com and you can either go to our show ideas page right there on the homepage or you can click on leave a voicemail and I will record your voice right there on the website. If I use your question and play it on the air, I will send you the most awesome scaling up t-shirt. Everybody wants one of those t-shirts. Everybody wants to know, how do I get a t-shirt like that? Well, that's how you get a t-shirt. You record your question and I use it on the air. Folks, thanks so much for listening to Scaling Up H2O. I can't wait to come to you next week on Scaling Up H2O. Have a great week, folks.